What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Clinton, editor and columnist for Heartland College Sports. If you guys like the show, please just consider subscribing and, and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And uh, send a screenshot of that over to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And he'll get you one of these Heartland College Sports koozies out in the mail. They, they're they great. They keep your beer cold. They look good. Uh, and if you're a college football fan, you want one of these. So uh, j- just hit that rating and review and send a screenshot. And he'll get you one of these out in the mail. Uh, he, he does it every week. So, so hit him up and uh, let's get the ball rolling on that. today. We are talking about what happened in week five. Uh, we've got some thoughts there. Obviously, we will end the show with week five studs and duds, as we have been. And uh, we're just going to we're going to see where this thing takes us. Uh, I've got a few things that I want to talk about. If you are over on HeartlandCollegeSports.com, uh, every Tuesday, starting last week, I- I'm doing a piece called Tuesday Takes. And the three things that I decided to talk about today I felt would be a really good uh, topic for us to, to open up with uh, in this week's show. Uh, the first being, I legitimately believe that West Virginia can win 10 games in, in 2023. Now, a lot of that has got to do with their schedule and how it has set up, uh, a schedule that once looked extremely daunting is now something that that looks pretty manageable for the Mountaineers. But the other thing is that they have, they have vastly uh, outperformed how many people thought they would start the season. And a lot of that has to do with them um, really hitting on a couple of pieces in the transfer portal, Uh, specifically defensively. They've done really, really good in the transfer portal. Um, Their second leading tackler on the team, Beanie Bishop Jr., uh, as a cornerback, uh, he's got 30 tackles, two interceptions on the year. And look, this guy uh, has been really, really good for them. And he he played at Minnesota last year. And so there's there's guys like that. Um, there's guys like Anthony Wilson. Uh, you've got guys like uh, Mike Lockhart. The, you know, guys towards the top of their uh, of their defensive stat sheet are guys that are really coming through for West Virginia. And when you look at what West Virginia is doing offensively, it's really pretty simple. Uh, when Garrett Green is healthy, which he is again, um, they they run the football well. Uh, he he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. He hasn't thrown an interception uh, this year. He's got four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and it's not something that you know you don't look at it and, and it jumps off the stat sheet at you with what they what they do offensively. But they are good enough offensively to win football games. Folks, West Virginia is four and one at this point. And so when you look at what they've done to this point, their loss, their one loss is against the number seven team in the country in Penn State, who is a legitimate college football playoff contender. Then they they get back on track against uh they get back on track against Duquesne and they rip off three straight wins against Pitt Texas Tech and TCU. If I would have told you that 
West Virginia would beat those three teams coming into the year, he'd have called me a liar. Most of you would. And and I would have called myself a liar because I, I believed that that West Virginia was what everybody was was saying that they were going to be, a, you know, a bottom three team in the conference. But to this point, um, you know, they're, they're only behind Oklahoma and Texas uh, in, in most people's power rankings right now because they're 2-0 in Big 12 play. They're tied for first place in, in, Big, in Big 12 play right now. So the reason, the main reason that we're looking at this is, um, I mean, the schedule that that West Virginia it has from this point on is is totally manageable. And look, if you want to argue with me, fine. If you if you've tuned me out, just hear me for just this point, okay? The remaining games on West Virginia's schedule are at Houston on October twelfth. That's next week. They got a bye week this week, and then they go. Uh, they they host Oklahoma State October twenty first. They go to UCF on August twenty eighth. They host BYU on November 4th. They go to Oklahoma on November 11th. They uh, will host Cincinnati on November 18th. And they fall, they f- uh, finish their year out on the road at Baylor on November 25th. The Oklahoma game is going to be tough. Going to Norman and winning uh, is tough as it is. And after West Virginia... Uh, that got the better of the Sooners last year with the way Oklahoma's looked to this point. Yes, that game's going to be tough. But give me another game on that schedule right now that you that you don't like West Virginia's chances in, that they're not favored in. I could hear an argument on UCF. Okay, I could hear an argument on that, but I just watched UCF uh, blow a 35-7 to lead against Baylor, and uh, and I don't have a whole lot of faith in what UCF's doing right now. So... Again, I I really do look at this schedule and, you know, if we're just playing, if, if we're playing this game here, let's say they, they beat Houston, they're five and one. They beat Oklahoma State, six and one. Um, I'm giving them the win against UCF, that's seven and one. They host BYU, who's traveled across the country. Um, just Just hear me out. They beat BYU there. They are eight and one, probably at the very least, a top 20 team in the country when they go to Norman uh, on November 11th. Now, they lose that game. They fall to 8-2. I believe they could get Baylor and Cincinnati. That puts them at 10-2 and and 8-1 and in conference play. That That's fantastic. I mean, Neil Brown, what he, what he does or what he has done historically recruiting, um, you know, they've done a really good job bringing guys in to, to – uh, Morgantown. And I think 10 and two, I mean, not only is his job safe, but you know, you've got West Virginia fans who are, are trusting the climb and you're excited about what's, what's to come now. So, um, now let's play the other side of that. Let maybe things aren't as perfect as we hope that they're going to be. I think they beat Houston still pretty, pretty easily. And I have Supreme confidence that they'll take care of Oklahoma State. I, I believe Oklahoma State and Houston are two of the worst teams in the conference. So uh, I say they get to six and one. They let's say they go on the road and lose to UCF. Uh, that that falls to they fall to six and two there. Uh, tough game against BYU. Uh, let's say they lose that one six and three, and uh, and then you lose to Oklahoma and get to six and four. You still have Cincinnati and Baylor at the end there. You finish the season eight and four. 
go to a bowl game and uh, have a really good chance at finishing the year nine and four. That's again, still looking at a really, really good season for West Virginia. Uh, and Neil Brown has effectively saved his job. So I really like where West Virginia's at. And, uh, I think that's something definitely to watch going forward. Um, the other thing to, to bring up in that is if, if West Virginia pulls off that kind of season, what's stopping them from becoming a, a destination, uh, for transfer portal kids next year? I, I mean, West Virginia is, is one of those programs that should be uh, competing each and every year uh, for a Big 12 title after Oklahoma and Texas leave. And I think that, you know, with with the way that West Virginia has looked over the last couple of years, I, I think we forget that this is a proud football tradition. Um, West Virginia has been, uh, you know, historically one of the better, one of the better teams to, to enter the Power Five here um, in the last couple of decades. Uh, I mean, they're 28th all, all time in winning percentage. They they're fifteenth in all time wins. Like th- this is a team that they've been around for a while and they've won a lot a lot of football games. This is a proud program, and uh, if they can get things headed in the right direction and and in the year with nine or ten wins, come on now. I I think I think you could really see uh, a resurgence of West Virginia football under Neil Brown, and that would be really exciting. Obviously for us over here in the Big Twelve. Second topic I want to talk about, and, and this one this one could have really really big uh, impacts on on the Big Twelve moving forward. And really, it, it all starts with perception. I'm going to grab a drink here real quick. <clears throat> perception is is really everything uh, in college football, or at least. That's the way it seems when you have a, a playoff committee like like the College Football Playoff does right now. And in past years, uh, Big 12 fans, and rightly so, have, have felt like they've gotten the short end of the stick uh, when it comes to public perception. And, you know, you just go back to the times where, where TCU and Baylor uh, tie for, for a Big 12 title. Both of them get left out of the playoff. Um, you know, it, it goes all the way back to that, uh, and we saw we saw TCU get the benefit of the doubt last year. Uh, you know, they make the national championship game, but then they get their their doors blown off by by Georgia and the most lopsided national title game in history. Um, but the problem that we're we're talking about now is what's currently happening in the Big Twelve. I, I just spoke about. West Virginia potentially going ten and two and eight and one in the conference, and that you know that's a real there's a real chance for that to happen. Um, but my my question is, can they overcome Oklahoma or Texas to make it to the Big Twelve title game? Because right now, I don't I don't know that they can. Um, if they lose to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma's only loss in the year is to is to Texas, or or you know Texas's only loss is to Oklahoma. I, I don't see how either one of those teams get left out. Um, you know, especially especially with with West Virginia having two losses, and and both of those you know either one of those teams potentially having one. If you look at how things have have broken down to this point, 
it's pretty clear that that Texas and Oklahoma are the two best teams in the Big 12 this year. Now, that hasn't been the case in a long time, uh, especially for Texas. Um, you know, it's been a long time since since Texas was really viewed as a stand above the rest of the conference. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Oklahoma had a, a four or five year stretch or six year stretch where they had won back to back Big 12 titles. But, um, you know, for, for the Longhorns, it's been a while. They haven't been five and oh since since 2009. But here we are in their final year of the Big 12. And the Sooners and Longhorns uh, through five weeks ha- have looked unquestionably the top two teams. Uh, in the Big 12. And so this is a this is a nightmare scenario for the Big 12 because right now Texas is minus 140 uh per MGM uh to, to win the Big 12 and Oklahoma is plus 200 to win the conference. Um the next best team in, in terms of odds is Kansas State at plus 900. So uh that's a pretty big jump, but what makes it even worse is that K-State's the only existing or uh you know hateful aid or whatever you want to call the remaining schools they're the only school uh not named Texas or Oklahoma that has better than plus 2500 odds to win the Big 12 championship at this point so uh unless things just change dramatically in the in the second half of the year it really do, it looks like this is a this is a two horse race for the Big 12 title and everybody else is kind of playing for third uh if that ends up being the case um, not only is Brent Yormark going to have to hand the Big 12 championship trophy to one of those two teams, I I think that the perception that, that is built after that uh, it walks out the door with Texas and Oklahoma. And what I mean by that is we all know the Longhorns and the Sooners are their football giants. Those are two brands that stand above the rest of the conference in terms of uh, being recognizable. They are, they're both blue blood programs. Um, there isn't another team in the, in the big 12, uh, nor will there be that stands up to those two in terms of, of lineage, in terms of, uh, history, what they have, what they, what they can stand on. Um, and I think that, you know, I think sometimes people forget that history isn't everything, that the Big 12 has had some really good teams come out of this conference over the last several years. But whenever Oklahoma and Texas get the last laugh and head to the Big 12 or head to the SEC carrying the Big 12 trophy with them, the perception is not going to be anything but the Big 12 being a second-tier league. And I I don't believe that's the case. Not not at all. Uh, I, I think the Big 12 from top to bottom is better than the ACC. Uh, obviously better than than what the Pac-12 will become next year because it won't exist. Um, but, you know, the, the Big 12 has been extremely competitive for years, and I, I think it's just disappointing uh, for the conference that, that things are ending this way. And so uh, it, it is what it is I, at this point. I, I think it's just unfortunate for the league that it's down at what looks to be the worst possible time. But um, you know the the good news is ESPN has signed a long term deal uh, w- with the Big Twelve, and so maybe we won't hear as much of that as w- as we used to. But still, guys, I, I just it's a it's a bad spot. It's a bad spot. It's a bad place for the Big Twelve. Um, 
and, and you know, this is the last Red River rivalry game that they're going to get to claim. And so um, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that you've got Brett Yormark not showing up for that. Um, and, and Greg Sankey is obviously um, Texas and Oklahoma have nothing to do with Brett Yormark's future um, and everything to do with, with Greg Sankey's. So um, just a weird spot, just a weird spot for the conference to be in. And then the, the last one, uh, the last thing that we're going to talk about before we get into studs and duds uh, for week five is perhaps a second part to this nightmare scenario for the for the Big 12. And that's that's how the newcomers have looked to this point. So just a quick recap, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston and UCF were not in this conference last year. Uh, if you didn't know that, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but uh, you may want to climb out from under it. A little more more often than you do, um, but but things have not gone well for those teams, uh, at least for the the teams that came over from the American Athletic Conference uh, in their first uh, trip around the uh, the sun as part of the Big Twelve, and uh, that's because they've gone uh, all all three of those teams are zero and two in Big Twelve play, and so. Uh, you know, BYU is one and one in Big 12 play. They just got a win over Cincinnati in Provo. They're four and one on the year. Um, but but those four teams combined are 0 and six against pre-existing Big 12 schools. And so, you know, with all the excitement that was built around these schools coming in, it's disappointing. Now, I do have to give BYU credit. Um, their win over Arkansas and Fayetteville was impressive, and, and you know. I don't know that that is something that any of the other newcomers could do at this time. And so perhaps BYU playing more power five schools as a, as an independent in the past, um, maybe it gives them just like this very slight advantage, uh, whenever it comes to their, their ones, I think their ones are maybe just a little, little bit better, uh, than the other, than the other newcomers at this point in time. So they're a little bit better set up to to compete in, in year one. I, I still don't see BYU as a true contender, though. Um, and so my point here is the the newcomers are, are not offsetting what Oklahoma and Texas are leaving with. Um, but I do think that the AAC schools that are now Big 12 schools, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, I do think that those schools are going to be annual contenders in the Big 12. I do believe that they will become integral integral parts of the Big 12 race going forward. It's just, it's going to take them a year or two. They're going to need a couple of years uh, of recruiting at a Power 5 level to get to that point. And so, and we've already seen that with UCF. UCF has looked really good on the the recruiting trail at this point. So, um, you know, I, I would say just give some time uh let those guys build up some good recruiting classes and and be patient this league is you know i can tell you just from from the mentions and from what i see on twitter every day um you know these fan bases none of them really are, are used to losing um let alone starting conference play 0 and 2 and so there there's going to be an adjustment period but again these schools will be just fine it just it, it's going to take some time uh for them to get up to speed and get caught up on on what it takes to win uh, weekly in a league like the Big Twelve, which is you know still extremely competitive, and will can uh, will continue to be that. Uh, all right, let's close out the show with some studs and duds from uh, from last week, 
we've seen a uh, we we've seen a couple of of uh, weeks where we typically just talk about about studs, and uh, we've got we've got a dud or two this week. And uh, the first one, oh man, uh, unfortunately for Nebraska, Heinrich Harburg had to start at uh, quarterback for them last week against Michigan, and it went about as well as you would expect. Um, the the uh, The Wolverines won forty five to seven. They they held they held Mister Harburg under two hundred yards. He had one interception. Uh, completed fifty percent, fifty six percent of his passes, and had four sacks on the day. So, uh, it's a tough day, really tough day for for Heinrich Harburg and uh, and for the Cornhuskers. Uh, luckily for them, they don't have to play Michigan again this year, and so they can put that behind them and move on. Uh, and hopefully, uh, Harburg is not on this list anymore uh, because that, that I mean that was a rough day. That was a really rough day for them. Um, uh, another one here, we're going to go with, uh, this one is, is actually going to be a stud, uh, today. And, and this is, this is the stud of the day. Uh, that is Kentucky running back Ray Davis. This guy just got done absolutely wrecking the Florida rushing defense. Um, when you average 10.8 yards per carry, typically that means you carried the ball three times and you had a you had a 25 yarder somewhere in there. No, no, Mr. Davis, he had 26 carries for 280 yards, averaged 10.8 yards per carry, and three touchdowns, including a 75 yarder in this game. And Kentucky won 33 to 14. So, I mean. Hats off to Mr. Davis. I mean that that guy absolutely had himself a day, and this is this is a team that that looks really really good going into a week where they play. Yes, the Georgia Bulldogs, who have looked vulnerable at times. So I uh, I'll be watching that one uh, pretty closely uh, whenever I get a chance because. If uh, if Kentucky can go into into Georgia and give them a problem, I mean we may, we may be talking about uh, a potential upset there. So something to keep up with on that front. Um, another guy we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> unfortunately have to add to the uh, duds list is Peyton Thorne, former quarterback at Michigan State. He is now the quarterback at Auburn, who just got done playing Georgia Bulldogs. His day was uh, pedestrian. He went 10 of 19, 82 yards through the air, and uh, one interception, three sacks on the day, completed just 52% of his passes. Uh, that's a dud. That's a dud for, for the uh, Auburn Tigers, and they still they still almost got it done. They still almost beat Georgia. Uh, almost doesn't count unless you're playing horseshoes or hand grenades, though. So uh, loss is a loss. There are no moral victories in college football. Uh, and then the final one, while Caleb Williams' defense didn't uh, didn't necessarily hold up to their end of the bargain, he certainly made sure that Colorado did not leave uh, or did not send them home with a loss. Uh, Caleb Williams goes 30 of 40 for 403 yards. If you're counting 
30 of 40 is 75% completion rate. He had six passing touchdowns. Six passing touchdowns. He did have one interception, but he was absolutely terrific in this game. Uh, single-handedly willed USC to a win in that game. And and for that, sir, you are a stud uh, on this week's show. That's going to do it for us tonight, guys. We really appreciate everything that uh, you guys do for us, mostly uh, checking us out every week and and sending us your uh, screenshots. We really we love sending out these koozies. And so uh, make sure if, if you like the show, if you are subscribed, send the rating and the review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's his email. And he'll get you one of these koozies out in the mail. Uh, and you can have your Heartland College Sports koozie on uh, on your beer going into the weekend for, for another great game, uh, another great slate of games. And, uh, we love doing that. So, uh, you guys keep coming back. Let us know what you think about the show. Suggestions are welcome, obviously in the comments. Um, and, and we really, really appreciate you guys. Once again, uh, I am Brian Clinton and we will catch you next time out here in the portal.